It would come as no surprise to anyone that Formula One has been, and more or less still is, a male-dominated sport. While this is changing internally inside the teams in terms of mechanics, support staff and engineers, there is one place where it's very much still a man's world. Out of over 900 drivers who have graced a Formula One Grand Prix over the course of its 70 year history, only two have been female. The last female to take place in a Grand Prix was over 50 years ago. And this was in an era where Formula One drivers had a 20% chance of death at every single Grand Prix. There is some good news in all of this though, and I'm not talking about the fact that even though there's only been two female drivers in Formula One, the last female driver managed to score more points than Nikita Mazepin. No, the good news is the fact that there are a lot of up and coming females throughout the feeder series and they're ready to shake up the future of our beautiful sport. Formula 1 è una cosa per la ragazza. Visto che corro, giudicate voi. Well now James, they've changed the regulations concerning the airboxes and the wings and yet you're still extremely fast. How do you do it? Big balls. While there's been five females who can technically be classified as F1 racers, only two of these has actually qualified for a Grand Prix. Now while this might sound strange in modern Formula 1, we'll delve into why the other three didn't qualify a little bit later in the video. However for now it's time for us to delve into the history of the two incredible female racers who graced Formula 1 Grand Prix in the past. The first woman to drive in Formula One was Maria Teresa de Filippis, who was born in 1926 in Naples, Italy. The daughter of an Italian count and a Spanish mother, her father was the owner of a palace in Naples. In her early 20s, she would move on from horse riding to a love of all things petrol, brought on by her brothers trying to convince her the woman simply couldn't drive fast. They went as far as to bet that she couldn't win a race at 22, she won her first ever race, driving a Fiat 500 on a 10km drive between Salerno and Cava da Torini. She would later enter the Italian Sports Car Championship in 1954 and finish second, putting her on the radar of Maserati, who in those days were a huge name. After successfully competing for them in a hill climb and various endurance events, she finished second in a sports car race, supporting the 1956 Naples Grand Prix while driving a Maserati 200S. It was time for her to make history and enter Formula One, but she would have to wait a little bit longer before doing so. Maserati was massively successful in the 1950s era of Formula One, and in 1957, Juan Manuel Fangio took his fifth and final Drivers Constructors Championship in a Maserati 250F. However, after this, Maserati officially withdrew from the sport. They did, however, allow private buyers to use their cars in the 1958 season. And luckily for one young lady with close connections to Maserati, a family of means, 
Maria was able to get her hands on a Maserati 250F, though racing at the pinnacle of motorsport. On the 18th of May 1958, she gained the opportunity to enter the Monaco Grand Prix, but out of 31 drivers who entered, only half set a time fast enough to qualify to be in the actual race. Sadly, Maria was not one of them, and neither was another driver who entered an F1 race for the first time that weekend, young Bernie Eccleston. However, her pace was incredibly impressive, a 1 minute 50.8 and only 5.8 seconds behind the qualifying time of the fastest 16, which included future world champions Mike Hawthorne, Jack Brabham, Graham Hill in their first races. This would lead to Fangio offering her lots of advice throughout the season, including telling her, you go too fast, you take too many risks. At the Belgian Grand Prix in 1958, there was no cutoff time for qualifying, and she could finally get her chance to enter the race. Although she was lapped twice in the 24 laps of the race, she managed to finish, albeit in 10th and last place, after nine other cars failed to finish. Although this would prove to be her only race finish, it wouldn't matter. History had been made, she was officially the first woman ever to finish a Formula One race. On the 7th of September 1958, she started at her home Grand Prix in Monza from last place. She completed 57 of 70 laps before having to retire with engine problems. As the 14th and final retirement out of 21, she technically finished 8th. In 1959, she joined Bera Porsche but failed to qualify for the Monaco Grand Prix once again. This would become her last attempt at the sport. In August of that year, John Berra, the founder of the team, died in a supporting race for the German Grand Prix. And given this added to several of her friends who had died in motorsport in only 1958, Maria decided it was time to turn her back on this incredibly dangerous sport. At the German Grand Prix where Berra died, Maria was supposed to race. She simply left the circuit and walked away from motorsport for 20 years. She kept away from all forms of motor racing until 1979 when she joined the International Club of Formula F1 Grand Prix drivers, going on to take the vice president role in 1997. It would be over a decade before the next woman to enter the sport would even enter the radar of an F1 team. For those of you too young to remember the 60s, here's our stock montage. Leila Lombardi was born in 1941 in Piedmont, a small village in Italy, and her father was a local butcher. She gained her first job driving her father's delivery van for the local family butcher shop. Little did she know this would be her first experience driving that would lead her to becoming an icon in the motorsport world. After a brief stint in karting, she purchased her first car in 1965 to enter Formula Monza before moving to Formula 3 in 1968, taking second in the championship. After which she moved to Formula 850, took the win of that championship in 1970, taking four wins that season. At the 1971 Formula Ford Mexican Championship, which for some reason took place in London, she took win. Lombardi's big break would come in 1974 when she entered Formula One with a privately owned Brabham car. Although she failed to qualify, it led to being spotted by the March F1 team, who gave her a contract for 1975. At the first race in South Africa, she successfully qualified, becoming the first woman to qualify for a race since Maria in 1958. 
Sadly, she would only compete in 23 laps before a fuel system failure led to her retirement. Sound similar, Max Verstappen? At the Spanish Grand Prix, Lombardi was running in 6th when tragedy struck on lap 25 as Rolf Stommelen's car crashed, taking to the air and flipping over a barrier, killing 5 spectators. While Rolf left with a broken leg, the race continued for 4 more laps before ending. As the race hadn't reached 3 quarter distance, only half points were awarded, still beating Spa 2021. This would still though leave Lombardi in the history books as the only woman to ever be awarded Formula 1 championship points, even if it was only half a point. Still way more than Mazepin could ever hope for. She also ran one race for Williams at the US Grand Prix in 1975, and then sadly in 1976 she was replaced by Ronnie Peterson, who left Lotus and became available for March, and had a best finish of 12th at the Australian Grand Prix. She would go on to race at the Race of Champions, NASCAR and various other sports car events, but her Formula 1 career was officially over. It wouldn't matter, as to this day, no other female has ever scored a point in Formula 1, leaving Lombardi with that honour to this day. There have also been three other females who attempted to qualify for a Formula 1 Grand Prix. Davina Gallica was a British racing driver who entered three races with both Surtees and Hesketh, between 1976 and 1978, but unfortunately failed to qualify for all three. Desiree Wilson, who was a South African driver that tried to qualify for the 1980 British Grand Prix, again failed to qualify. And then there was finally Giovanna Amati, who entered three races with Brabham in 1992, but again unfortunately failed to qualify for any of them. Since 1996, this format of qualifying has gone. You may be wondering how can a driver fail to even qualify for a race? Currently there are only 10 teams in Formula 1 with each team entering 2 cars, giving us a total of 20 cars at the Grand Prix. There is currently a regulation in modern Formula 1 that a maximum of 26 cars can take place at a race weekend. Therefore the worst case for a driver today is that they'll start at the back of the grid, however they will still start the race. However at various periods throughout Formula 1 there would be different limits at different racetracks. As an example, Monaco had a limit of 20 cars maximum on the grid given its restricted size. The cars that thus qualified in positions 21 or above would be classified as did not qualify or DNQ, thus would not take part in the Grand Prix itself. Throughout the 70s and 80s this led to pre-qualifying as a way to get the actual qualifying down to 30 cars for the final qualifying session, and then 26 of those would be allowed through to the Grand Prix. This was due to the fact that the sport was so unsafe at the time without the added danger of having 30 plus cars on the grid. In 1992, pre-qualifying was removed, causing many of the smaller teams that didn't have the funding to compete at the front of the sport to simply leave. Since 1992, it would be another 22 years before another female would take place in a race weekend after Susie Wolfe was signed as a development driver by Williams and participated in Free Practice 1 at the 2014 British Grand Prix. In 2018, the W Series was devised in a response to the lack of female drivers who were rising to the top of motorsport, and in particular, Formula 1. It ran its first season in 2019, and in 2021 became an additional support series to the Formula 1 Championship, elevating its status in the public eye and moving it into the spotlight of fans such as myself. Has creating a specific W Series female format relegated Formula 1 to being a male sport for the foreseeable future? Or has it done the opposite and created an opportunity 
where females can work their way up the ladder towards Formula 1 and become very much a feeder series as Formula 2 is today. It would be an incredible shame if the prior is true and that Formula 1 becomes even more segregated towards only males. While the W series is absolutely incredible and a great way to get more and more females interested in this wonderful sport, making an amazing step forward and definitely shows signs of progress. Let's have a quick delve into what the future looks like for females in Formula 1. As with any problem in life, to understand its trajectory for the future, we first need to understand its causes. One of the leading reasons why we've seen so few females in Formula 1 is sadly the same reason that we've seen only one black driver in the sport. Money. And more importantly, the source of the money. When we consider how competitive it is just to get to F1, let alone succeed in the sport, a driver needs every single advantage that they get. As an example of this, Sebastian Vettel started karting at only three years of age. As the drivers progress, they need more and more funding for carts, tires, and then to be taken seriously to get onto the formula ladder starting at Formula 4 and then progress. Every step of this ladder is extraordinarily expensive. Therefore, each person working their way up the ladder either needs incredibly wealthy parents, a deep-pocketed sponsor, or in the case of Lewis Hamilton, a parent willing to sacrifice every moment and second of their life to work to help their son get up that ladder. Generally speaking, the most common path is a sprinkle of family money to get them through carding, and if they show promise, then a big sponsor could come in. This is the first difficulty for females in the sport. Sponsors for Formula 1 over the years have generally been considered conservative and do not want to try shake up the sport, therefore they calculate their risk. They see it as a man's sport and therefore they perpetuate the norms by only funding the norms. Basically, unless their parent has Lawrence Stroll money, any female looking to climb the ladder to Formula 1 is going to find it extremely difficult to find the money. Not impossible, but definitely 10x that of a man with the same amount of talents or perhaps much less talent, for that matter. This is where the W Series has attempted to highlight the talent of females, and it's worth noting that W Series is free for its drivers to enter, pays their expenses, and awards each winner $500,000, thus removing one of the largest barriers to entry. Even if a female was to overcome all of these massive financial challenges, the next round of challenges will come from whether a team will or will not take on a female driver. Basically, although it may sound ridiculous, would a current F1 team risk being the first modern team to take on a female driver in the sport? The issue is not the fact that the fan base or indeed the team would be against such an action. In fact, I reckon that the opposite is true. The key issue is that although Formula 1 has very much changed and become a much more progressive sport, its demographics in terms of its sponsors are still heavily skewed towards males. And therefore, this could mean that a team would take a hit financially by bringing in a female as one of their drivers. However, I don't want to end this on a bad note, and I might be completely incorrect about this. And the other fact is, this is very much changing. So let's end on a high note. The W Series team is highly motivated to turn the series essentially into an F2 feeder by becoming an F1 support race for each Grand Prix, and it's moving in the right direction. They understood from the outset that they didn't want female drivers to be pigeonholed in the series. There are also many young female drivers currently showing incredible talent in W Series, and even some coming into F3, 
The future for female talent in this sport is bright. The next step is that the world and therefore those willing to fund a female racing driver are changing. The conservative nature of these businesses is turning and in turn, the chances of female drivers in F1 is again on the rise, at least from a financial perspective. Finally, and possibly most importantly, as it'll have a knock-on effect throughout the sport, is that the female fan base of this sport is massively increasing thanks to Drive to Survive, social media, and just the fact that the world is progressing at such an incredible rate. The breaking of America by Formula One is a sign of this. And as the fan base grows, so too does the percentage of females. Soon, the phrase, give the fans what they want, will include a female racing driver. If you enjoyed this video, please do hit that subscribe button and like button, as every week now we have these short documentary style videos, as well as prediction videos for upcoming races, and of course our qualifying watch-alongs. So if you enjoyed this, hit that like button, hit that subscribe, and then you can watch the next video, which is coming up, well, next.